This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? Oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Everybody and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world and I have to do with them. Um, I'm your host Molly Marsh and my mouth feels really weird because I've spent part of this afternoon at the dental hygienist, um, which as I'm sure lots of you will know, is quite an unpleasant experience, but one that ends uh, in your mouth um, feeling sort of fresh and odd and sharp inside. Um... But yeah, I, I do recommend if you've not been to the dentist in a number of years, as I hadn't, please do go um, because the dental hygienist can make your mouth look and feel amazing um, in, quite a fa- in quite a painful but uh, short session. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this week on uh, the podcast, I spoke to um, Ellie, aka TARDIS Monkey. It was the first podcast I had recorded on my new PC. Um, so I was I was testing out some some new gear new gear. Um, it all went okay apart from there's one point where I adjust the volume on my computer and you can hear my PC do the little blue noise, um, which obviously I can't get rid of in the podcast recording. It happens quite early on, so look out for that. Um, but other than that, it went fine. Uh, I spoke to Ellie about um, the Doctor Who lockdown, um, classic Who watch alongs that she organised, and I also spoke to her about her unpopular opinion that Davison, um, Peter Davison and Colin Baker uh, are two of the better Doctors. Uh, this was something she felt spurred on to talk about um, by reading the results of the recent Radio Times Favourite Doctor poll. And we also talked about that poll a little bit and about the, the value of polls more generally. It was great to, to talk to Ellie. Um, while I'm here, bit of a bit of a plug um, for... Uh, another podcast that has been made by my friend uh, and friend of the podcast, Crystal D. Um, it's called From Care to Where, and each episode features Crystal talking to a um, different person about their experience of the care system uh, in the UK. Um, I'm sure it's it going to be amazing. The first episode is great. Um, please do uh, check it out. Crystal's a great presenter and has a lot of really important and interesting things to say as I'm sure her guests do as well. Um, But before you chat out, please enjoy my conversation with Ellie, aka TARDIS Monkey. Here we go. Fantastic. Um, So I'm here with um, Ellie, aka uh, TARDIS Monkey on Twitter um, and everywhere else. My my first question, I guess, is why TARDIS Monkey? Okay, so... It was a thing that I came up with ages ago. And I was like, I want something unique. Um, I think when I came up with the actual name, I think I was about, I don't know, 
13, 14, something like that. Um, and I thought, right, I'm going to do my two sort of favourite things. So one, TARDIS, because Doctor Who and stuff like that. Um, but also monkey because it's the Chinese animal of my birth year. And when I was a kid, I was always referred to as a cheeky monkey. So uh, that's how that came about. <laughs> so it's as simple as that then? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I like to imagine the doctor having a little monkey that, that lived on the TARDIS as a pet. Yeah, well, he's had, you know, Frobisher, you know, kind of as a penguin. So I think that yeah. counts. Although I think Frobisher might be a little bit offended about been referred to as because of course rubbish is a, sh- a shapeshifter isn't he so yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. wouldn't want to be seen as a pet um although i believe no, the eighth doctor has a cat in some of the books right I, you yes. might know more about that than me i don't know much about that or is it the uh, seventh yeah yeah uh, do you know what i can't remember because people, swear... people are screaming at their uh computers and phones right now yeah well bernie summerfield has woolsey so there you go that'll do so you are a twitterer a an editor, a YouTuber, and a cosplayer. Yes. Tell me about all that. Um, if <laughs> That's quite a broader question, but um, <laughs> wait, uh, how well, do you see yourself in the Doctor Who world? What What are your primary avenues of uh, creativity and expression? Well, I mean, I've always been interested in sort of film and TV since I was a kid, and Doctor Who seemed to be the kind of avenue to go down to... Um, sort of explore and be creative in an industry that I wanted to get into which funnily enough I've I've started becoming a, a full-time editor freelancer um, it's something that I've worked my way up to and um, I don't know I've always seen sort of Doctor Who as something that brings a bit of joy and humor to sort of situations so I did a lot of um, fan videos back in the day where I would practice editing skills sort of um making music videos and all sorts of kind of stuff just to practice techniques and that that would be handy in um, building up my skills for working in TV. And funnily enough, I mean, I was doing a lot of editing and it was something that I was more persuaded towards. I mean, I watched um, Doctor Who Confidential a lot when I was younger. And again, that kind of opened up new doors where you're like... Yeah, I I do wonder sometimes with Doctor Who Confidential, you know, what the number of people is that it it introduced to the world of television and and the world of TV production. Oh, for sure. And I mean, funnily enough, working in film and TV, you realise sort of what a small world it is because I've actually worked with one of the um, producers that worked on uh, Top 2 Confidential. Oh, wow. Um, so we were having a chat about sort of like how he influenced me and all that. And it's, it's nice sort of having that kind of tie in and, um, yeah, I think it does. I think sort of, I, I miss programs like that because all the behind the scenes stuff is fascinating and, um, you know, maybe one day, uh, they might bring it back or have some special features on the DVDs again, because, um, I think that's a side that sometimes, um, isn't explored and it's, yeah people... it's slowly sort of uh drifted away hasn't it since yeah. the since the davies era we got bits of it still we got confidential for a bit during yeah. the moffat era uh, and now we don't really get much we do get bits of behind the scenes stuff like posted to youtube and stuff but i yeah. tend to find that it's it's quite thin on the ground content wise <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean... It's mainly people going, oh, it was great working on this. Oh, it's lovely working with Chris North or whatever. It's like, come on, say something. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing, like, I want to see it being made. I don't want to be talked about it as well. So, 
um yeah it's um yeah so I mean like that's sort of like how it all all came about and Doctor Who was has always been an influence a major influence in in my life and I mean on Twitter and my YouTube I used to make sort of funny videos here and there just to um sort of raise people's spirits especially with like lockdown and everything um obviously i organized the watch alongs for the classic yeah, I, was, I was gonna get there and, and, and ask you about that actually yeah um right so um yeah so that's the whole reason of why i i got into film and tv um was mainly because of doctor who it, it really inspired me to not necessarily work on the show itself but to actually get involved with creating content on on tv and online so yeah that's how it came about and you just mentioned about the the lockdown stuff you organized um you know in the, in the height of the of the full lockdown in terms of the classic who watch longs um what yes. gave you the impetus to do that um and yeah how did that all happen yeah so i mean um it was funny because when when emily cook who has done the fabulous uh modern like uh, new who kind of watch alongs um it, it was one of those things that me and my mates had actually been talking about before emily did it and emily once she'd done it we were like well you know why don't we do some of the classic stuff um because i mean for me I've got such a huge kind of um, nostalgia and love for the classic series because I grew up uh, during the wilderness years of Doctor Who. It's the one that thing that always sticks with me. And people who have probably gone through my Twitter will see that I'm a, quite a dedicated classic Who fan. Um, so it was really nice to see sort of uh, the love and support that the new series was getting. And I thought, well, classic Who, you know, hopefully will do the same. And Quite rightly, I mean, we ended up trending in the top three or four in the UK with the third, the three doctors, um, which was just incredible. And I mean, uh, the actors and everything who were involved, like Katie Manning, John Levine, um, Toby Haydock uh, also got involved as well, helping with a uh, with a few sort of special features, which you know was really lovely. And it just shows you sort of. Uh, there's this huge kind of community between sort of the fans and the actors and it just shows you doesn't matter sort of which side you're on um, in terms of actually making Doctor Who and being a fan we all come united uh, in sort of situations like this um, so Emily Cook uh, really sort of made me go right okay yeah I want to do this as well um, so I do thank her for her inspiration on that as well um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just everybody who got involved. I mean, it's it's all of them that made it possible as well, and you know, inspired me and um, uh, my friend Matthew Chambers, who made a lot of the trailers and the extra content and stuff, um, to you know, to raise spirits, to make people sort of uh, happier in quite a sort of uncertain time. Um, so yeah, that's that's the main reason why I did it, and just everybody's so lovely. And I mean, I got to know quite a lot of the actors through conventions and stuff because before lockdown, I used to go to conventions <laughs> pretty much every weekend to the point that like my mates were taking the mick out of me, um, <laughs> which was quite funny. But um, you know, I I mean, uh, me and Colin Baker are um, sort of very good chums and stuff, and it's just lovely that you can call upon them uh for stuff like this but sure. i will tell I you mean, that... people like colin and, and and people like you know katie manning and john levine yeah. that you mentioned for example you know you talked about that that divide between fan and and uh you know person who made the show 
blurring yeah. uh, with events like the 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 stuff you organise, and I think yeah. that's probably just uh, about the um, the amount of convention appearances they've done over the years, the amount they've got to know the fans over the years through convention appearances and other stuff like that. You know, it's that they've got a, a massive legacy. Those guys have of um yeah being involved in in fan organizing and fan community yeah for sure um yeah well i was going to ask about the 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 lockdown stuff that you did how did you come to the decision decision over what um stories you were going to focus on (laughs) so um funny enough our our intention was we again we took inspiration from uh emily and we decided that the multi-doctor story seemed to sort of do really well with the fans it seemed to be a fan favorite um so that's why we did uh, the five doctors, three doctors, uh, two doctors as well. And then basically after that, we realized that we were um, kind of doing doctors, but not in necessarily any order. So in the end, we just decided uh, which ones were our favorites and which ones we thought sort of the fans would love to sort of get together and watch, basically. Yeah, so um, me and uh, Matt had some chats about sort of like um, what ones would... Uh, the fans would love and uh, have the best hashtags and all that kind of stuff. And also as well, we wanted to keep up with um, what Emily was doing with the extra content because we thought that was a nice little feature. So um, we went for episodes that, um, you know, I, I could get in contact with some of the actors and uh, crew and stuff like that as well. And um, funnily enough for the TV movie, it just happened to be on the anniversary of the TV movie, which was great. It was a nice sort of little celebration to have. Yeah, that's uh, such a nice, happy coincidence. Yeah, yeah, it really was. So, yeah, that was the the kind of major influences um, on our decisions. But again, it was just purely sort of what we thought everybody would love and what we love. Did you face any backlash from Twitter users about the stories you'd chosen at, <laughs> at any point? <laughs> So no, I know actually... Emily was constantly fighting with people over it um, on on Twitter. I, I wonder whether you'd whether you'd had any of that. No, actually, if anything, people were just like, "Oh, could we just have some more?" And I'm just like, "I've got a full time job." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so uh, yeah, I, we we've had a few requests, like even sort of after. Um, so that's when, uh, yeah, like Britbox had obviously released the um, Peter Cushing Dalek films. Uh, so we thought, oh, that would be a nice sort of little celebration for that. Um, but you never know, sort of with, with this year and how it's going, you know, never say never for having another one, basically. I hope there's some more Doctor Who lockdown stuff, but also I don't want to be stuck in my house again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little bit um, unsure how to feel about that. But yeah, Um what about the the cosplay side of things then? Um, I know you're you're big into your cosplay, and it's not a world that I've ever really ventured into um, too much. And I'm always interested to hear from people who have. Yeah, so I mean, cosplay. I I actually got into cosplay sort of when I was again relatively young. I think I was about twelve when I started getting into it, and I was quite a big anime fan um just that typical nerd kind of thing um so I watched a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh Naruto and all those kind of shows and my first cosplay was actually a character called Jaden Yuki from Yu-Gi-Oh GX um and (laughs) yeah it's very niche um and uh it was funny because in about I think it was about 2009 my dad took me to my first ever Doctor Who convention 
And I remember getting there and they had Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy as guests. So that was like a nice little thing. And I was, has, has any Doctor Who convention ever not had uh, Sylvester McCoy and Colin like, Baker know, right? as guests? <laughs> <laughs> They're Love raking it in, much. those two. <laughs> Bless them. They are uh, very committed to the cause. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I went there and um, there was like a, a group of people um, performing a kind of stage show and they were all in their Doctor Who gear. And I thought, oh, you can do Doctor Who as well as anime. Like I never, I don't know why, I never thought of that as like being a thing, sort of uh, actually dressing up from the show. Because, I mean, I absolutely adore sort of the the Pertwee gear, Davison's gear, sort of all that kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, brilliant. Like that's, that's an avenue I can go down. So literally after doing this convention, I went on eBay and I, oh, David Tennant was the doctor at the time. So I was like, yeah, I could get a David Tennant outfit. Um, looked it up and I found the cheapest kind of uh, suit that you could find. And it was, you know, relatively the right uh, shape and everything. So I thought, yeah, that's it. And when it came, I, I was so proud. I had um, just a bog standard tie, a shirt that didn't fit me, this suit that didn't fit me. But I was so happy because it was just, something news like it was a sort of self-discovery that you can literally just dress up as anything that you want um which is a nice sort of uh tone to sort of have and um yeah so I mean as the years went on I I then got a job and all that kind of stuff and I thought oh I have funds now I can buy other things um, this was me as soon as I got my first full-time job out of university so I was still yeah. I was still living uh, with my university friends because they were all doing an additional year and I stuck around um and I was I was not making very much money in the job but I for the first time in in my life really had a massive dis- well I had a an amount of disposable income and it yes. all went on Doctor Who memorabilia. <laughs> and all of a sudden my, my bedroom looked like one of those um one of those you know, bedrooms that you see on the tele on the television on the news, oh, you know, of of yeah. a collector. There's just Doctor Who posters on every wall. There was action figures on on you know, three yeah. shelves, um yeah, yeah. cardboard boxes full of Doctor Who magazines. And then at the end of that year, I moved down here to London um, with my girlfriend, and obviously we share a room. And she was like, yeah. "We're not having any of that stuff in this room." <laughs> so <laughs> it's all sitting in my mum's. It's all sitting in my mum's uh, garage. Actually, I've got a couple of bits and bobs knocking about the bedroom um, that she's decided are tasteful enough. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I went a bit mad, and uh, but so I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've got the same thing. I, I mean, I'm running out of shelving space ridiculously with all the DVDs and everything and the books and God knows what. So, um, uh, yeah, so like having a job and being able to pay for stuff, I mean, it was an absolute dream goal to get a Peter Davison outfit because he was my doctor when I was growing up and I always wanted to get the cricket outfit, but I wanted to do it justice. So I did a lot of research and it took, it took a few years actually to get everything up together. Um, I bought the jumper first from like a guy in America that was making these custom outfits. Um, and then eventually um, I found a seamstress who um, lived near where my auntie lives, who could make the trousers um and I just got it all tailored all fitted 
um and yeah i mean it's one of the, the you're wearing it in your in your profile picture on skype I can, I am, i'm looking yeah. at that costume right now yeah um, so that that photo um was taken because uh, i was involved with a doctor who cosplay kind of photo shoot for one of my friends aaron for his university assignment and funnily enough talking about this very point about why you do cosplay and all this kind of stuff um and i just remember yeah just getting this outfit together and it absolutely getting raves from people and i actually wore it to the um last day of the doctor who experience um where i got to go on the actual tardis itself in my full outfit um, that must have felt amazing oh it was like it was like just being five again and just <laughs> running around pressing all the buttons and everything which some of them don't press as well which i found out um <laughs> so, oh they don't they're just fixed are they uh, they're fixed i know what's that wow. all about so um yeah good old good old bbc it's miserable. budget so like when you pair of jeans <laughs> when you buy a pair of jeans and yeah. they're pockets for that are not pockets exactly it's like what's the point why why, why are we doing this then <laughs> Yeah, the only two real cosplay things that that I have in my wardrobe actually, mm. I, I I dissed her earlier, so I can earn earn back some brownie points now. And that my <laughs> girlfriend made both of them, which is she she made the um she made the Sarah Jane Hand of Fear dungarees uh, for me oh, a, about three years ago, and she also did me a shirt that has um the question marks embroidered on the uh, on the collar as well. Uh, and I yeah, I love both of those. Fantastic. It's so nice that they're homemade as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's just lovely to have a to have a homemade uh, costume thing. I yeah. Think. yeah. Great. Do you want to do um, unpopular opinions, Ellie? Uh yes. <laughs> so we, we yeah we were talking about this in relation to the recent Radio Times poll, really. Or that's kind of what made you made yeah. you think of it, right? In, uh, about the, the the doctors that are always voted to the top of these polls and the doctors that kind of get a little bit left behind so what yeah what's your what's your view there what are you bringing to the table here yeah i mean sort of like the radio time polls i mean just sort of voting for your favorite doctor i i i'm i'm with colin baker on this i never really like them because um each of them are so unique and so different um that it's really hard to judge sort of like a variety of different people in in one poll um of course there are doctors who are your doctor who you grew up with and everything and yeah i'll always stand by sort of uh as davison as my doctor because he was the one that i watched a lot growing up and and stuff like that so um yeah and i always feel disheartened because when you look at these polls and you see sort of the doctors that you grew up with all the way down at the bottom, it's it's a bit of a sort of kick in the stomach because you're going, oh, but like they pre- like they um, need so much respect and deserve so much better. Um, and again, it's always with like Colin as well. He's always at the bottom, and um, and I mean his doctor in in Big Finish audios and everything are just so fantastic um to see sort of just such lack of respect for these these actors and everything don't know that's why it just really niggles on me when we get these kind of polls yeah i suppose i mean colin's always been a bit of a um a stickler about it hasn't he in terms of the polls i know he fell out with doctor who magazine um over it uh, a little while back i i suppose the way i would like to think i'd see it if it were me is that it's it's still a percentage of people voting for you as their favourite. So that's always still a positive. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think in that Radio Times poll, 
Davison and and uh, Colin Baker each got about five percent, five percent of the vote, right? Um, from what I from what I I remember, and that's still five yeah. percent uh, of people putting them above everybody else. Yeah. So I, in a way, it's a it's a, a still yeah. a, still a positive. It's like a little community um, a of sense. people, <laughs> for sure. Even if it is not. Um, you know, even if it's not as many people as some of the yeah. other doctors, it's still yeah, there yeah, are still yeah. lots of people there voting for voting for you as their as their favourite. But you know, I can say that as somebody who's not at the bottom bottom of a poll. <laughs> I don't know how I'd feel if I was Colin and I was I was yeah, sitting down yeah. there. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it, it's one of those things, isn't it, where David Tennant just seems to um, seems to prevail as the top doctor yeah. in these polls now. It used to be Tom Baker. Uh, now it's David Tennant, and it, it was remarkable that, to me that despite the um, the sort of concerted campaign from Jodie Whittaker fans to get her to the top of that Radio Times yeah. poll, Tennant still pipped her to the post. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's, I mean, that's just from the general public chanting upon the poll probably and yeah. and picking David Tennant. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how to feel about the polls. I don't think it's necessarily worth getting worked up about. No, um, but no. it is... Um, yeah, it's always going to be frustrating for fans when your doctor... I mean, it was frustrating for me seeing how low down the list Eccleston was because yeah. he's like my my second favourite doctor. Yeah. Um. So it, it sucks seeing that. But yeah, what is it about Davison and Baker then that appeals to you so much? Um, I, I think yeah. it must be because, I mean, when I, when I was growing up, I mean, uh, it was the early 90s. So I was relatively close to sort of like when 80s Who was cancelled and everything. And I don't know, I've just got such a nostalgic kind of feeling towards um, the 80s. Uh, I think it's because like my mum and my dad love a lot of like 80s music, sort of 80s culture, because that's when they were teenagers and stuff growing up. Um, so Davison for me, I adore him because he's that younger kind of man but also has like an older kind of presence. And I've always felt that in myself, sort of like, I felt like an old soul. You're an old young, soul, old, sure. Yeah, kind of thing. So I relate to sort of Davison in that, in that kind of way a lot. Um, and, you know, he's just so, he's just so energetic um, running around all the corridors. And I mean, just Davison just pulls it off so well. He's got so much kind of sass and everything in the role that when you go back and watch it you realize sort of how sarcastic he is towards certain people that he doesn't like and stuff and I feel like I've taken that as a personality where it's like I'm insulting you but you don't know about it kind of thing um <laughs> I think he's a, he's a grower as well yes like you first watch Davison and I think maybe the audience at the time felt like this you first watch him and he feels a little bland by comparison to Tom Baker yeah and then you watch his stories um, more closely or you watch them or you watch more of them and you start to see those little quirks in his character and those little nuances and he yeah he might not be as um outwardly eccentric or interesting as tom baker but he yeah there's loads of little things there that davison's doing that um that are great and i think that that dry sense of humor is one of them and it, and it predates um and sort of sets the precedent for what paul mcgann starts doing yeah. on his big finish stuff i think yeah yeah yeah, for sure. And I mean, like with with Davison as well, because I mean, it's such, as you said, such a contrast to, to Tom Baker. I think maybe sort of the change and everything, a lot of people uh, kind of weren't used to it because they were so um, involved with this big personality of Tom Baker. Whereas, you know, Davison does that more subtle acting 
Um, and again, I think it was so wise though, because if yes. somebody had, um, you know, if if uh, an actor would have come along or Davison would have come along and tried to be Tom Baker or tried to be as crazy as Tom Baker, I think it would have gone down badly. You know, yeah, it, it just wouldn't have worked. Yeah, because this is this is why you need all the all the doctors to be so different because you don't want sort of a copycat uh, doctor because otherwise you go well why don't we just have Tom Baker or why don't we just have sort of uh, you know John Pertwee or whatever. But for uh, sure, yeah, uh, I, I think yeah, I think that's the major kind of reason why uh, Davison was just my doctor. I just kind of clicked with him because of this youthful but older aspect to him. Um, and I mean, he's got some fantastic stories with Earthshock and Caves of Androzani and stuff, which are still sort of rated um, highly in, in Doctor Who magazine polls and stuff like that. Um, and it really it's a lot of his episodes I do find stand the test of time um, in those. I think he, yeah, he performs brilliantly in Kinder. Yeah. That's my favorite oh. story of his um, yeah. is Kinder. Uh, Kinder, actually, Snake Dance, I can quote verbatim as well, which is like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, you know, I, I love, I love the um, Black Guardian trilogy with Mordred Undead with the Brigadier, and it's such a nostalgic kind of piece uh, for the era because, I mean, it's when sort of classic Who was at its highest, like it's uh, highly rated and everything. Um, mm. So you got the five doctors and everything because the five doctors was my first ever episode I watched when <gasps> me I too there. Yeah, see, uh, good good starting point I think. It, yeah, it was um, the only one my dad had on video. Yes, and I've told this story so many times on the podcast. So sorry, listeners, for uh, for <laughs> saying this again. But he he said to me, "Look, this is not how the show normally works, and there's not normally five of them, and um, this is an unusual one, but it's the only one I've got. So we've got to watch." <laughs> Because this was before the days of BritBox and yes. um, streaming and, and, you know, ordering a DVD at the click of a finger. Yeah. Um, so we, we just had to watch the, the video cassette that we had in. That's brilliant, though. It was exactly the same with me because my granddad recorded it off of um, UK Gold. Uh, oh, yeah. We had loads of those cassettes. Yeah. yeah video cassettes recorded from UK Gold as well. Yeah. And it's just like it was such a good way to sort of get into the show. And, um, you know, if you did have a family member like that that could introduce you in that way, um, I think Five Doctors was perfect because, as you said, you got five of the, well, apart from Richard Herndall and Tom Baker, who was kind of there, um, you know, you've got about three and a half Doctors that you can get involved yeah. with kind of thing, um, which is a nice yeah, I th stepping on point. It's interesting with the Five Doctors because... You know, in some ways, it's a good thing that Tom Baker wasn't there because maybe he would have stolen the limelight yeah. a little bit and and been too big a character. Um, who knows? You know, this we will never know. Um, but also, y you'd think maybe again with with Davison being this quiet and more nuanced Doctor that he would he would blend into the background and be mm -hmm. a bit forgotten about in the Five Doctors with people like Troughton and Pertwee. Yeah. Um, you know, in the room with him. But I think actually he's kind of the glue that holds it together. Yes, he's like he's like the straight man in a in a comedy <laughs> um, double act, isn't he? Yeah, and yeah, definitely. Except it's not a double act; it's a it's a triple act or a quadruple act. Yeah. and he's and he yeah he's holding it together and he's making everything happen. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you know, you got all the doctors bickering, and he's the one that goes, "Nah, stop you guys! Like we need to sort yeah, this out," yeah. kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So. I mean that 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 was like the major thing, and uh, funnily enough, like I mean after that, I just remember watching a load of um, Davison episodes, 
um after that especially um snake dance which again i i had off of uk gold and stuff um and cash revolver i think was one of the first ever vhs tapes i had as well um along with resurrection of the daleks um so i i had a very sort of specific kind of era that um i sort of clung on to and i i was about sort of maybe four or five at the time when i was watching this kind of stuff so um yeah and then um i mean going on to sort of uh colin baker um it took me uh longer to sort of discover his doctor um, I, I watched a couple of his episodes, such as um, Attack of the Cybermen and Revelation of the Daleks. I, I was obsessed with Daleks when I was younger, so um, anything that involved them, I would watch it. And I just remember Revelation scaring the crap out of me when I was younger because of that glass Dalek with the guy in it that's all sort of mutated and stuff. Um, yeah, it's not very nice, that. <laughs> it's not a nice scene, no. But, you know, it, it was one of those things that uh, the Doctor seemed to take charge again. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I kind of like this this guy. But again, he was problematic. And as I discovered later on with, like, the twin dilemma and him strangling Perry and stuff like that um, wasn't really sort of uh, a good kicking off point. But I mean, I completely warmed more to him when I was um, listening to the Big Finish uh, audios and I discovered the wonderful Evelyn Smythe uh, played by um, Maggie Stables, who mm. really put um, Colin or the Sith Doctor in his place and was a good kind of um she yeah she's a good foil to him I yeah think, on audio it's yeah. funny because i kind of relate not that i've listened to loads of them but i have listened to a yeah. couple and both of them have had evelyn smythe and she's great i mean it's funny because i relate their relationship as sort of the first doctor and barbara where the first doctor yeah, uh, yeah. earlier on he's a he's a grumpy git when he's you know in his first kind yeah. of few episodes well, that, yeah or there's even a um there's even a clara and 12th doctor vibe to it yeah yeah, exactly. Um, the doctor being held to account by by somebody. Yeah. By by a woman significantly. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like somebody, and you know, it's funny that like yeah, just somebody needs to take them down a peg. And I feel like with Evelyn, she really does that um, because she's a history teacher. She knows what she's on about. So when they go back in time, she can tell the doctor, you know, what's right, what's wrong. And it's the same with um, Barbara, sort of Ian and Bar- uh, first doctor and Barbara. So. Um, yes, and I feel like on the audios, uh, Colin got a lot more say in how he wanted the Doctor to be portrayed and everything. So, again, it's that, as you said, the Capaldi and Clara vibe where um, they kind of warm to each other after a while. Um, Whereas it's funny with Perry's relationship with the sixth Doctor because I feel like because uh, the fifth Doctor sacrificed himself um, at the end of Caves of Androzani, Perry almost had like a kind of duty to look after him um, because he it's, made... It's icky, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of toxic. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame because like, you know, after that situation of like such a, a lovely kind of bonding session that, you know, the Doctor and Perry had um, or the Fifth Doctor and Perry had at the end, um, you know, is just thrown out the window completely with um, uh, Twin Dilemma and, you know, him acting really harshly towards her. I feel like it does start to mellow out towards um, Trial of the Definitely, Time Lord. Definitely, yeah. In Trial of the Time Lord, they're, they're much better with each yes. other, aren't they? 
Yeah, because I mean, there's a lovely scene in Mysterious Planet, sort of when they're walking through the forest, and that's uh, exactly the scene I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just like that's the moment I go, oh, I like, I like your Doctor and I like you, Perry, together because you know you you've both warmed to each other and you know where you stand, and Perry can take Danny's ego a little bit, and you know he can guide her without sounding like an ass kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's um. It's funny because I feel like if Colin um, had a bit more of a say in that era, it would have been a bit stronger. And I mean, it was a problematic time anyway, with the show being um, postponed, like on hiatus and stuff. So um, I feel like that's why he gets such a bad rapport, um, you know, especially if you've only watched his TV episodes. But I mean, there's some great episodes because one of my favourites is um, The Mark of the Rani. Um which is a great sort of double act with the Rani and the master and all of them together. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I really do feel, and I think uh, Colin Baker has said himself that uh, big finish really did sort of save him and his doctor. And I mean, I was absolutely bawling my eyes out at the um, regeneration scene for Colin Baker. Um, I forgot what the audio is called now. That's gone right on my head. Is it called something like The Last Adventure or is that the not the, the one? The Last Adventure, that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, if he's if he's well written, then it just makes such a difference um, in terms of his character. And like Colin on audio, I mean, he gives such a brilliant performance and he's a man of sort of, uh, of good words and stuff as well, which... Uh, really shines through um so i think yeah definitely when i when i listened to more of the the big finishes when when i got to know sort of what uh the sixth doctor was other than the series which is a shame because i feel like it's again like when doctor who got cancelled with um uh, the seventh doctor and ace you know if it carried on a little bit more we would have discovered so much more about their characters and their personality but it was just a troublesome era yeah, I think for me, and listeners will know that I'm not the biggest Colin Baker fan. Sorry, Ellie. Um, <laughs> my, I, I, for my 50th episode, I, I was the guest and I got my dad into host. And my unpopular opinion was, everybody stop apologising for Colin Baker. Yeah, it's yeah. just not very good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that it's a, it would have been a case of more than just a couple of tweaks or a bit more of mm. um a bit more control from Colin to make his era better i think it's fundamentally a bit nasty his era and i think his doctor whether it was colin's choice or not plays into that i think colin's doctor is is kind of a misunderstanding of what works about the character yeah um definitely on television i'm not going to pretend i've listened to enough of his big finish <laughs> stuff to really comment on it i've I've listened to a few but not loads mm. of them but yeah on telly it's yeah the whole premise of his doctor is is off to me i mean i i think it was my episode with darren mooney where i said that you know obviously davison's doctor sacrifices himself for perry mm. and w for me m uh, most of the regenerations are the doctor that they then become is somebody who would not have died in the way they did. Yep. So, you know, Matt Smith, for example, his doctor is somebody who um, wouldn't have had the hubris that David Tennant's doctor did, for example. Yeah. You know, um, that example doesn't quite work, but you see, you see what yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, and for me, when Davison sacrifices himself and 
um, and dies and becomes Colin Baker, Baker's Doctor is then a person who would not have sacrificed himself for Perry. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of, it's it's nice thematically, but then you've got to be with that Doctor for two seasons. And it's like, oh, I just don't like this guy. And he, you know, he's, this has been said a lot, but he's a, he's a not very clever person's idea of what a clever person is like a lot of the time. You know, his, his obsession with, um, with grammar and language is yeah. it just feels off to me it feels iffy i don't know it's it's funny because like it, on the big finish sort of audios if he ever pushes it a bit too far in terms of his ego and his arrogance in that way this is why i come back to evelyn smythe because she just goes doctor what the hell do you think you're doing and then he just comes <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was in the wrong kind of thing, and I think that's what you needed. And unfortunately, the we needed that on on telly a bit. Yeah, more, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, but I'm, I... yeah, I'm not sure I want the Doctor to be quite as much of a arrogant fuckboy as yeah. <laughs> Colin Baker's Doctor is. Do you know what I mean? I don't want him to need that um, matriarchal figure as much as yeah. he does. Like, I I want him to be able to stand on his own two feet as a character a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, it's only it's only sort of like on the odd occasion. I think it's kind of harking back to the TV series uh, when they do it on Big Finish because it doesn't happen as often. Um, but it's just like a nice little nod, like, oh hey, remember sort of how nasty he was in the TV series? Yeah, don't worry about it, kind of thing. Um, and I feel like again that was sort of Colin's major influence in the audios that's um, helped along with that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a real shame. I mean, um, as I said, I think that's why I sort of uh, gravitated more towards Davison's um, Doctor because he was a lot more sort of caring. Okay, he had he had Tegan and everything, who was a bit hot headed, and they didn't get on. But you could tell that they cared for each other, and I felt like that didn't happen with Perry until sort of maybe Trial of the Time Lord. Be- because she didn't have that um, that hot headed thing that yeah. Tegan had. You know, if if um, Colin had uh, had had Tegan there with him. Maybe it would have been a little bit different. Yes, um, definitely. Have you seen the the? I mean, we we're not supposed to talk about it now, but the Jim will fix it sketch. <laughs> yes, with yes. Uh, Janet Fielding and Colin Baker. It really works. It right? really it's, does. It's, an, it's yeah. a really interesting dynamic. And I um, yeah, I'd love yeah. to see that sort of like as like an audio. I think that would work sort of brilliantly, having sort of like Tegan Perry. And the sixth Doctor in one room. Yeah, hilarious. Definitely. Yeah, that would be so funny. I'd I'd really enjoy that. He just needed. Yeah, you're absolutely right that he needed someone to yes. to hold him to account. I just feel like you know, with an incarnation like the twelfth Doctor, for example, he mm. has Clara holding him to account, and then he has Bill holding to him him to account. Yeah, and he grows, doesn't he, into this yeah. softer character by the end of um series 10 which i love i love his whole journey yeah um but it it always feels as if he kind of he wants that do you know what i mean yeah. he's he's leaning into that um that influence from clara and later from bill whereas with the sixth doctor it feels as if he's constantly fighting against that influence of of the people around him do you know what i mean yeah particularly perry i mean it's funny because obviously when mel was brought in 
you know, we've got this companion that we know nothing about, but she seems to know everything about the Doctor. And yeah. it's a weird relationship. And no wonder why the Doctor's going to be a bit confrontational about it, because she's got all this foreknowledge that he doesn't. True, and true. it's a weird kind of relationship to to yeah. be in. Like, Mel walked so that River Song yeah. could run, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um God, if Mel was River Song, now I'm not going to go down that road. Um, <laughs> um, it's, yeah, and it's, it's funny because I again um, I know there's there is a big Finnish audio that explains sort of like how they met and everything. But as a as a thing on TV, I mean you can't relate to the companion at all because when she's in distress and everything, you're like, well, has she done this a million times before? Is this her first time? Like you just you're left with this big question mark and you just don't know. Um, so it's funny sort of like, uh, you know, when they leave together in the, the TARDIS and he's saying carrot juice and all that kind of stuff, it's a shame that, you know, they couldn't, um, have another series to sort of expand on that because it's an interesting take to have a companion, uh, introduced, uh, you know, before their time. And again, it's like with River Song when she appears and David Tennant's like, well, who the hell are you kind of thing? Um, it would be nice to sort of like get a proper story like that with Mel on the TV series. Well, yeah. I suppose the difference though between Mel and River Song is that they, the, the, the program doesn't seem to want to play with that thematically. Mm. She seems to only be from the future because they've got this arbitrary past, present, future structure to Trial of a Time Lord. Yeah. So therefore, the, the latter stories need to be set in the Doctor's future. And that's when uh, Bonnie Langford was coming on board. You know what I mean? It seems like a very production-y thing that she's from the future. They don't seem drawn to that as an, as an idea. In yeah. fact, I doubt that you know if they had had another season with Colin and, and Bonnie Langford, I doubt they'd even probably have addressed that that whole issue no probably not and i think again it's it's a shame because i there were a lot of fingers in sort of places and stuff um in terms of production and that and i think i mean jnt himself is a massive soap opera fan and i think if he if it was left down to him i could see him taking it down maybe like an, an eastenders route where it's mm. a lot more sort of based around the family kind of relationships and stuff but yeah. again it was that thing of they're like oh i don't know if doctor who fans will want that kind of thing um so it's yes. a weird kind of fight i think in terms of production and sort of what we actually got on screen um yeah again it's just because of that era i think there were just all these problems it's really weird that soap opera thing though isn't it because there's a there's a, a sense of it in particularly in the peter davison era that they're going for this slight soap opera thing with the amount of characters that are populating mm. the tardis the the little kind of scenes that they do where you see the bedrooms of the companions stuff like that yeah but then there's there's no there's no real effort there it's like they're gesturing to these to these this idea of it being a soap opera without committing to it. You know, the, the yeah. stuff like Adric's death yes. has no impact on <laughs> Where they're like, well, the future of the program. Ah, and you're like, hang on a minute, mate. <laughs> yeah, you know, an actual soap opera would never no. get over a, a character's death that quickly. I mean, the thing with soap operas is that they they do get over things far more quickly and far more easily than we would in real life. You know, yeah. somebody will murder someone and then they've forgotten about it a couple of years later yeah but they they do address it yeah I mean, <laughs> where it's in in the davison era of doctor who they they pretty much just get over it as soon as it's happened 
Yeah, yeah, literally. And I mean, the the major thing that really annoyed me was um, the whole thing with Nyssa. I mean, Nyssa's home planet was destroyed. Her father was taken over by the Master. Yeah. They don't address it at all in the series. And she meets the Master again at exactly. various points. And doesn't she doesn't get distressed. She doesn't yeah. even re- reference the fact that he's walking around in her dad's corpse. Like, that yeah. would be... I mean, I'm not saying that, of course, Doctor Who shouldn't depict that, you know, as it would be in real life. If that was really happening to you, you would be a traumatic mess of a person. Yeah. It would yeah. be awful. But they could at least gesture to it a little bit more than they do. Yeah, exactly. And I th- I think, again, that's um, that's a problem with uh, the classic uh, era of Doctor Who is that um, it it tries to be emotional, but then they're worried about getting too emotional about things. I think this is why I, uh, you know, with the new series, um, especially with Rose and the Ninth Doctor, sort of seeing the implications of what happens when Rose goes missing for a whole year um, and all those kind of impacts is why I think sort of maybe Russell T. Davis looked at the classic era and gone, hmm, maybe they should have done this. Right, I'm going to write it this way with the companion. And again, it gets a lot more involved because I feel like with classic uh, Doctor Who, you're kind of following the adventure. You're following sort of the story and the characters along the way whereas like new who is very sort of specific with the companion like with rose you relate to rose a lot um especially with uh fans who had never seen the show because you're discovering it through her eyes and everything definitely he's gonna be the main focus where sort of in in classic who um most people had grown up with it sort of all their lives um and you know they you can just jump on board with these companions and get on with it whereas sort of because we had this wilderness years break and you needed to build up uh this new kind of um world and everything for a new audience i think that's why you would have to go down this more uh kind of soap opera route with um with new who because you need to get that emotional impact across um same with sort of like uh unearthly child i mean when you mm. go into tardis they make such a big kind of grand gesture on look how big sure. the tardis is inside and we see it all from the perspective of ian and, of Barbara, ian and Barbara as well exactly so i feel like it's a uh, there's a lot of similarities and uh again like with um the more recent episodes i feel like because we all kind of know New Who now. It's, again, a, a thing that's been with us for oh, a while now. It's like, was it 15 years now? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that, you know, we can go on these big adventures again and um, stuff like that. But, yeah. It's, yeah. Although I think it's still important to check in every so often. Yeah, you know, definitely. As definitely. much as uh, some of the stuff in the Chibnall era hasn't worked, what really worked was was kind of uh, doing a do-over and starting again with ryan and graham and yaz and sure and you know they they we we meet the doctor through their eyes don't we yes there's a there's a reason that the woman who fell to earth doesn't begin with the tardis falling to earth you know that would be the wrong way of doing things in fact as much as um the 11th hour is one of my favorite doctor who stories ever and i think it's near perfect i i do sometimes wish that that opening sequence of um, the Doctor flying th- over the UK and the yeah. TARDIS wasn't there because I think wouldn't it be so much better if if it opened with Amy's garden and yeah. we got to uh, we got to see the Doctor's arrival through the eyes of Amy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, even though we all know where he's been and we've all got that knowledge, it's still it's a good feeling to see it through the eyes of this person. It is. It makes it exciting again. It makes it feel new because it's like sort of when you show your mates in, uh, an episode of Doctor Who that you probably watch millions of times, but you what you see yeah. them for the first time, and it's nice. It's that vicarious exactly. enjoyment. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just maybe I just want to circle back to. Um, to Colin Baker for a minute because it got me thinking when you were talking about um, the the soap opera thing there about how maybe one of the reasons that his kind of character arc doesn't work because I know the plan was always to soften him as they went along that that was that they were making a concerted effort to do that but maybe one of the reasons that 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 didn't play out too well is that that wasn't the sort of thing they were used to doing in classic who you know with a doctor like Capaldi we we'd seen doctors have have story arcs before in New Who, and we and we could imagine where it was going, and we trusted the program. Mm-hmm. Whereas then, it you know it, we we didn't really get season long arcs like that for characters, so it would have felt a little bit like yeah. well, we c- we can't trust that this is going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like um, I feel sort of season arcs were a very rare thing in classic era. I mean, you know, we had. Um, uh, key to time the trial of the time lord and stuff like that but i mean they were sort of few and far between whereas now um you know each see uh, each series in new who feels very self-contained in that series um with yeah with kind of also even stuff. yeah even like trial of a time lord is it again it's an arbitrary production thing mm. and it's very surface level there's no you don't feel like there's any character development across the season do you know what i mean and again it's a superficial I, arc yeah really. I, I feel like it parodies sort of what was happening in production more than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah. Which is great, but it's yeah, 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 it's yeah. not it's not a character art that we get now. Not. Similarly with Key to Time, it's <laughs> exactly it's a mechanical thing rather than a character thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fine. It's just a, a a different model. And then if you try and mix the two by doing a thing like they did with Colin Baker's Doctor, it kind of jars and doesn't really work. Mm, mm, yeah. Uh, as someone who's enjoyed his Big Finish stuff, though. Um, would you be able to re- recommend uh, to me and the listeners at home some uh, choice stories of Colin Baker's on Big Finish that you think we would enjoy, aside from Jubilee? <laughs> we've all, I think everyone and their dog has listened to Jubilee, um, to be honest. So to beyond Jubilee, if you haven't listened to Jubilee, though, do listen. Oh, um, there's people at home. Jubilee. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Um, oh. God, I'm trying to think now. So uh, I mean, I put you on the spot here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, sort of. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, Doctor Who and the Pirates. That is the first one that comes to my head. Um, is basically Doctor Who the musical, which is just incredible. Um, so the Doctor basically is he. He's telling a story along with Mag. Um, I was going to call him Maggie Stables with Evelyn Smythe, and. Um, the whole, I don't want to ruin the ending because the whole point of the story is that they're telling this story about pirates and adventure and they're singing and dancing and all this kind of stuff. But they're telling it to a student, one of Evelyn Smythe's students, and it's the implication of who they're telling it to which makes it such a great kind of audio. And again, it's one of those audios that you just have a lot of fun along the way. Um I'm trying to think of another one. Again, Arrangements for War is another great story, um, which is bizarre because the the way it's done is um, it's Evelyn Smythe's swan song. So you've got her swan song, but she hasn't actually left. 
um, in terms of sort of making the audios and stuff. Um, but again, it just really pulls on the heartstrings uh, because you get to know this, uh, you get to know Evelyn and the Sixth Doctor so well. And the Sixth Doctor is so heartbroken by the situation. But I mean, Evelyn sort of has a really good life, which is just um, just a very, very sweet thing. And I think one, uh, one more I'll recommend is uh, The Wormery which is uh, The Sixth Doctor and Iris Wild Time. Uh, and Iris just gets very drunk and the Doctor just gets very annoyed with Iris just being drunk. But there's logic behind the madness. And um, again, she's quite a good adversary for, for the Doctor. Um, and they they bounce off each other really well because, I mean, you know, having a Time Lord play, played by Katie Manning, you know it's going to be the perfect combination. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've never actually heard any of the the Katie Manning Iris Wildtime stuff, but I've oh, heard it is yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. I should get round to it. Really. Yeah, definitely. There, there's a, there's so many sort of good audios, and especially sort of like with the main range, um, the early kind of main range. Um, uh, Colin Baker, his his doctor just shines um, in those audios, especially with like jubilee and stuff i'll mention it again because it is a great story um yes yeah, so, it is superb yeah. we've got to give it the credit um that it's that it deserves right yeah definitely brilliant well thank you so much for talking to me ellie it's been absolutely great it's been lovely uh talking to you really enjoyed it <laughs> and where can people find you on twitter youtube etc oh yeah so literally just type in sort of tardis monkey i think on youtube somebody actually nicked tardis monkey so i'm actually called monkey watch the tardis on uh youtube but everything else you can quite happily find me as tardis monkey and presumably your twitter is an avenue to all of your other platforms yes. as well yes for sure great Fantastic. And you can follow me on Twitter um, at Molly underscore Martian. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Galactic Yo-Yo Pod. And you can email me at GalacticYoYoPod at gmail.com. I should say, actually, somebody, I don't know whether it's one of you guys, um, it might be, um, somebody has signed up to loads of um, surveys with my Galactic Yo-Yo email account. <laughs> and I'm getting four or five emails a day from Christian organizations in America um various uh financial st things th things that all look like scams and it's really quite annoying so if you're doing that please stop doing it because it's just it, it's just so annoying please stop okay that's so that was a psa <laughs> to that guy um but yeah thank you so much for talking to me ellie and uh that's everything bye 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 i'm gonna do that bye bye again because it was absolute car crash <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I thought thought I was leading into something, and I was like, "I thanked her. I've done all the. I've done all the spiel at the end. This is the bit I just can't do. Listeners oh. will know. They because I sometimes keep this in. Just me trying to do the bye bye. I just can't do it. Uh, anyway, bye bye everybody. <laughs>